listening to Arizona Varsity Football with Ralph Amston. Hey guys, it's Brendan Rice here. You listen to the Arizona Varsity Show with Ralph Amston. Hey, this is Tyler Shuck. You listen to the Arizona Varsity Football Show with Ralph Amston. What's up, guys? This is Spencer Rattler, and you're listening to the Arizona Varsity Football Show with Ralph Amston. First up on the Arizona Varsity Football Show, as always, Cody Cameron, the head of all football analysts in the entire desert southwest. Uh, and, and the question I have for Cody today is who he thinks through the middle of the season, middle of the high school football season, should be the front runner for offensive and, and defensive player of the year in some of these divisions. I know it's a really tough question, and all it's going to do is make people upset uh, if they're not included. So I figured I would uh, avoid it altogether and put it all on Cody's shoulders. How you doing, Cody? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm perfect. I like the pressure of this. You know, it's so funny when you give recognition to players and, and someone gets upset that didn't get recognized. And it's usually never the player, right? It's usually an adult. Coach, who's upset, but heck, we've had some amazing midseason performances, Ralph, and and let's start small school. You know, uh, another reason that I I think I love our team is we do, uh, contrary to some people's belief, we do cover the entire state, and let's go cover the River Valley Dust Devils, one of the best mascots and uh, just team logos in the state of Arizona. They're off to a great start, six and zero, really really strong team. They got a running back out there, Ralph. He's a senior. I mean, he's been, I think he's a four-year senior in the backfield for the Dust Devils. Zach Hammett is a kid I know that you broke his film down a couple weeks ago in film session. Yeah, um, I never thought that River Valley would have a running back as good as Brandon Long. And here we are like four years later talking about somebody who's probably going to beat his records. I mean, you just look at his stats up and down. And it's not against bad teams either what he's done. 89 carries. 1,442 yards rushing. That's a 16.2 yards per carry average through the first six games. Good Lord. They're going to get an 11th game. You know, it's going to be a playoff team. Probably a 12th and 13th game, too. This looks like a 3,000-yard running back to me. 24 rushing touchdowns already, Ralph. There was games where 318 yards rushing on 25 carries against Arizona College Prep, team that's won their last four games. That game was like 51 to 19, and Zach Hammett was every bit of dominant. He's had games, nine carries, 302 yards. That to me, we always <laughs> we like the phrase, we like the phrase video game numbers, right? We love that phrase as journalists. That's like editing the settings down to like below rookie on Madden. You 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 fixed all your players to be 99 overall, so you could have the 200 to zero game. And your running back has nine carries for 300 yards. That's the type of performances he's having. And and when you watch this film, I love the way you broke it down because you were expecting, like, you know, just open lanes, 80 yards, untouched. He's not that type of runner. This is a powerful runner. He is running through whippy tacklers with breakaway speed, of course, but he likes it between the tackle runnings. Like, he loves that, he, that style of running, and, and he's nasty with it. He does. And I, one of the things I really like about Zach Hammett is he kind of clings to, to, to these blocks and he waits as long as you possibly can to bounce it to the outside. And once he makes that decision, is just put the jets on and go. Yeah, he's a pa- he's a patient runner, man. And so, like, and to me, that's a really rare trait. 
that that tells me that he's a more experienced runner than, like I said, just anybody can have an 80-yard fly sweep and be untouched. And especially if you go trips to one side, there's no corner backside. You know, the team's not pursuing back there. And you run that four times. Okay, well, there's 90 yards. It's in between the tackles. A lot of it's in between the tackles. And like you said, he's really patient with his backside blocks and frontside blocking and, and just finding the right hole and exploding food. So to me, Ralph, Zach Hammett, what he's been able to do, I don't care what division he plays in. He is dominating teams right now and some good teams at that. Now, I have a question about 3A because I didn't get a chance to um, to see any film, but I really want to. ALA Gilbert North went up 21. ALA Gilbert North has beat everybody at the 3A level. They've already taken on anybody that 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 really matters in 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 my opinion. Um and they've shown that they're probably going to be the team to beat. Uh however, they went to ALA Queen Creek, right? They hosted ALA Queen Creek and I thought yep. I thought ALA QC was going to make quick work of them and all of a sudden it was 21 nothing Gilbert North. And they ended up losing 38-35. But are we are we thinking Adam DeMonte should be should be in some type of consideration for something at this point? Because I mean, it's yeah. quite a season. I mean, it, just his first year playing too. I his first year starting at that level, and and what he's done with his dual threat ability is nothing but spectacular. And anytime, heck, A Lake Quinn Creek. They are very much have every possibility to play in the 4A championship game. I mean, they were that good of a team. ALA Quinn Creek is very, very good. So what ALA Gilbert was able to do, and that's a, that's a game that we highlighted last week, and I said, hey, this is a rivalry game. doesn't matter if it's a 3A versus a 4A game. Like ALA Gilbert have the athletes and the talent to have a game like this. I was in agreement with you, though. I thought ALA Quinn Creek just had a little bit more, and maybe it was a 14-point win. Couldn't have expected this, the way they had to climb back and, and win that football game. But ALA Gilbert... To compete with a team like that, man, it's just I, they they played in that game, the the semifinal game last year against Snowflake, and yet a huge controversial ending in that football game. And well, because they won, they won the game. Like yeah, I, yeah. we're we're far enough, we're far enough removed, Cody. That I, I was thinking about that all day. I'm like, you know, I didn't like the way that game went down. I didn't like the way that ALA Gilbert North's fans were acting, and maybe that influenced my and and I thought that they were incorrect about a couple of the other calls that were controversial. But that was a matter of opinion for me. It's not a matter of opinion that the last play of the game went into the end zone. He fell on yeah. another player, extended the ball. There was no whistle. They won the championship and didn't get credit for it. Yeah. And then to me, you got a bunch of guys off that team. Johnny Bellino being one of them, the receiver for them, who's extremely talented. He had a catch in the LA Queen Creek game that Chili told me was, might've been the catch of the year. I think it was over two defensive backs and literally caught it either on the back or the head of the defensive back trying to knock that ball down. That kid's a freaking stud, man, and I hope a lot of colleges go see him during during the eval period. But to me, what impressed me, too, is they, they were able to get in the backfield. They had four sacks in that football game against A.L.A. Glen Creek and four tackles for loss as well. So they're just – it's a well-balanced team. Coach Reisdorf is a really good football coach, man. And, and so uh, you look at Adam DeMonte and what he's able to do, if he continues to have the success he's having right now, which – I mean, he's every bit of capable of. You got to put him in the running as well. Now, ALAQC, obviously, they're they're undefeated. 
against everybody except for Saguaro. Cactus is is just murdering T. Is that is that even appropriate that's to okay. say? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, um, I, in a in a uh, in a nice way. He, uh, but they haven't <laughs> been nice great. about it. They haven't been nice yeah. about it at all. And um, you might not even see Cactus in the four A playoffs. The way things are going, a, a lot is riding on their their rematch with Desert Edge. Um, coming up, but but if you if you're having to look at ALAQC and look at Cactus, um, who who would be under consideration from those two teams to to possibly garner some postseason recognition? Will Gavin Cactus? He had seven t- passing touchdowns last week. He broke the Cactus record, and and I guess he's playing. Ortiz told me he's playing corner too. <laughs> I love Coach Ortiz, man. He just has a bunch of great guys. And Coach Ortiz is one of my favorite coaches in the state. He's such a good person. And just to getting to know him when he was at Higley with, with Coach Zuby, I'm so happy for him because he's got a really good team and they're so well coached. But he has dudes everywhere. His entire defense is so nasty. And he has the mindset of, like, hey, we can play with people. And, I, 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 and, I, and he means it. And, honestly, he's making a case. You know, what they were able to do against Sunrise Mountain. So, I, I could put anybody on that defense. I'll take the Tupe, um, Akipulu. I, these are all guys that don't have that crazy tangible. You know, when you look at, like, the 6'3", 215-pound linebacker or, you know, the 6'4", 200-pound corner or safety that we've seen in these big car fives, they're always just, like, and when you talk about physical tools, middle-of-the-pack guys. Like, Will Gavin's probably no taller than 5'10", 160. Uh, middle-of-the-pack, really, really good football players. Really good football players. Um, definitely deserve college recognition, too. But he, Coach Ortiz just has a bunch of those guys. A.L.A. Creek Creek's got a lot bigger dudes. Logan Hubler, uh, we say his name almost every show. He has 20 passing touchdowns in five games. And he has another two rushing. That kid is so special. I know you've been able to see him in person multiple times. I think um, he might be. Uh, this is a very, I mean, I think he might be the fastest quarterback in the state. I, I fast, the last two years. Yeah. I, mean, he, I don't remember a quarterback faster than him last year. I I was um, it's funny because I uh, I went I went to their game against Northwest Christian with a friend, and I'm out in Charlotte, and that friend just flew out today. But we we got there and in in the third quarter, and it was a pretty low scoring game, and all of a sudden Logan Hubler decided he wanted to roll out and turn it into a 90 yard touchdown run, and I just remember you know looking at my friend and being like, man, that that skinny little kid out there can move, he can move. Yeah, man, he he's fast, and I've seen I've seen two other pretty good mobile quarterbacks who are like really really fast too, really good high school fast. Uh, Rowan McKenzie, who's a sophomore quarterback at Boulder Creek, he's pretty quick. Uh, he just he, he, Logan adds like a different speed, like his breakaway speed is really noticeable, um, and so that just tells me it's acceleration and just the way he can man- maintain that speed is really good. Demond Williams from Bash is another one. He's so special just with his arm talent. Does he have still? Uh, is it this point in the season? Does Demond still have more rushing touchdowns and passing touchdowns? He might. He was he <laughs> going into last week. He was at six passing, eight rushing. Oh man, he, I, I'm trying to remember the Valley Vista game that they just had, and um, he he did yeah, good. <laughs> you know, you talk about you talk about awards. It's about seven Basha players. Yeah, that yeah. segues to the defensive award, and I wrote I wrote Wyatt Milkovich. I watched Wyatt uh, play middle linebacker for the first time ever against O'Connor, 
And Ralph, he looked amazing. I mean, we we're always talking about players who are shining and I swear I sent you guys like tapes of Wyatt every single Saturday morning because he, he looks that good. And it's a player who's only played five total games at the position at Mike Linebacker, a guy who transitioned from defensive end and then a three-point stance or two-point stance coming off the edge. And, and he looks amazing. And he's still learning the position. It's just his ability to run, fill, and tackle with the speed, nonstop motor. He checks all the boxes that you want from a Mike Linebacker and and uh, to me, that the reason why I think he's defensive player in midseason is he just does everything for that bash of defense. There's going to be players who have more tackles for loss uh, coming off the edge. There's going to be more players that have more tackles. He's just one of the best defensive players that I've seen this season. He is phenomenal. He is. I think he forced a turnover against Valley Vista, and he, he, he's having a great season. Uh, we ju- we'll, we'll go back to 5A, but let's stay in 6A for a minute. I was I – was, had my fingers crossed that Christian and I would have a good enough season to impress some people. I did not know that he was going to be chasing records <laughs> at Hamilton. That's what he's on pace for right now. Should, should we be talking about him as a possible 6A offensive player of the year? But to me, now that Keon is hurt and Keon's been hurt all year, he's the best receiver in 6A. I'd scratch that. He's the best receiver in the state in the 2022 class. Christian and I is amazing. I know Alec and I talked about this kid like six months ago when we first broke down his film and the football season was over. I picked up Northern Colorado, Northern Colorado offer either in the season or right after the season. And just like Alec and I talk about, there's said, hey, there's things that he can improve on. And uh, one was he was really good in the slot last year for Hamilton, but we, we wanted to see just a little bit more breakaway speed because he was good out of separation, but just natural breakaway speed. Uh, just a little bit of better route running, and then second was just or third was growing into the frame in the off season and just becoming a bigger presence. Rolfi's done all of that, and then and and just become such a better football player and, and really honed down on technique this off season. I think him and Nico spent a lot of time and getting the chemistry down, uh, especially with a lot of those timing routes. But and Christian and I have put in work. He put in work on the track. He put in work in the weight room, and it has shown because. He's creating separation better than any receiver in the state. He looks unguardable. Even when you put a safety at the top room, he's really good at getting inside leverage with that break. You don't have to be the fastest player in the world, even though he's pretty damn fast. You don't have to be the fastest player in the world, but if you when you create separation like that with your footwork, you look really, really good on film. And he is proving it week in and week out. So absolutely. Yeah, I feel I always feel like Everybody that goes in ends up leaving with questions about him that he ends up answering the very next week. Like, is he tough enough? And then yeah. you see that they use him two ways and that when he hits somebody, they go flying into outer space. <laughs> yeah. I, the biggest thing that uh, I'm not going to list them, but what college coaches say, well, they want that, that big playmaking ability. You know, is he yeah. gonna, can he do this? And, well, heck, the week that a coach asked me that, the Perry game, he, he makes a catch. Over his shoulder, it might be a Willie May style. I can't like basket catch. Can't really. I, I think it was. Oh, I think it was a back shoulder catch. Turns his body, makes the catch, shows the athleticism, the hand-eye coordination, flips his body around, eludes the Perry defensive back, and dives sideways into the end zone, hitting the pylon. And I think he was double covered on the play. Good lord! <laughs> I don't know what else you need to see. So let's jump. Let's, let's jump into five A because five A is probably the division that I know the least about. I've watched a few games. Um, 
top of my head, I think Tristan Monday's having a really good season for Saguaro, but I want to know what you know about this undefeated Horizon team who I currently have ranked number one. Is there anybody on this team, or is this just a team effort? A little of both. You know, I I, I remember watching them against Sunrise, and I watched it with Chris Eaton and, and Gridiron, and, and at that point, I believe it was a week two game, and we didn't know too much about uh, Horizon. I, they had a huge win against Pinnacle the week before, but um, hey, week one, you know, anything can happen. And it was Sunrise being the 5A rating champs uh, with not a ton coming back on the team, but Coach Decker always got big athletic kids. I remember thinking Sunrise would probably win that football game by 14 to 17 points, and I was wrong. And, and Coach Litton has he, – he's got a couple guys like Matthew Kloppenstein. They're, they're tied. They're big tight ends. 6'5", 230 pounds. So he has a couple of those guys, right, that, that are power five mold. They meet the tangibles when you look at size. But some of his best players are 5'10", 160. Um, and, and he just said, and they're 4-0, huge wins and against Desert Edge. And, and they ended up winning in that Sunrise game and, and other things. But their quarterback, Skyler Partridge, he's a kid that doesn't weigh more than 150, 160. He's having a great season. He's a dual-threat quarterback. Uh, really runs the ball really well. One of my favorite players on the team, though, is one of their running backs. Um, I think it's – what is his name? Is it Lambert? Let me see here. This might be a nice little editing job right here. But – yes, it is a junior running back that they have, Wesley Lambert. This kid's really good, man. Another kid, he looks like me, 5'7", five, 5'8", five, 165 pounds, built. Uh, kid's averaging almost six yards a carry. He's had three games over 100 yards, another really good football player. So, yeah, I think Coach Litton, he has a couple of those guys, but it's a really good team unit. Really, really good team unit. They just beat off each other, and they play really well. Awesome. Well, I appreciate your time, Cody. And uh, as always, uh, bringing tons of knowledge and tons of value. And it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. There is a lot of season left. So I will let you go, and next up, after the break, we will have Cactus High head coach Joseph Ortiz. Next up on the Arizona Varsity Football Show, we got Coach Joseph Ortiz from the Cactus Cobras. This is quite a program. Uh, this is a program that before I moved all the way across the country, I got to see quite a bit. Um, very physical defense, explosive young offense, and uh, and and you've made it to the point where you guys are the class of four A. Uh, I, I appreciate you coming on the show, but I just what's the secret recipe? I getting lucky. You know, we were able to get a good group of kids come in and. You know, they buy into the philosophy of our coaching style and what I've learned to be a head coach when I was a first-year head coach, just learning under Coach Zuby and, you know, trying to shake us to uh, do that same model. And it's been it's been working for us, and the kids are bought in, and, you know, just been super blessed. You know, it's all it's all about the kids, you know, the coaches. You know, we fit, we're, we're secondary to what they've been able to do in a short span here at Cactus and, and turn this into a destination in the, in the Valley, not just the West Valley, but the Valley, I feel now. I don't ever like saying replaced, and I don't like saying that you filled the shoes of, but the next chapter of Cactus Football comes on the heels of a previous chapter that included a coach in Larry Fett can hire 
who is a legend in the community, a legend at the school, and a legend in Arizona high school football in general. Um, I, I guess that what a lot of people want to know is what what's that like to step in and try to start something new in a place that's so steeped in tradition that people can't even remember what it was like before. <laughs> it was it was a rough year, you know. It, it really was. Looking back at it now, with being a stronger person, um, community was split. Got a lot of not nice comments on social media. Um, parents threatening me. You know, it was some it was some nights where I was just. You know, I was just choking up in tears because it was just it was a very hard transition. People didn't like it. And, you know, we were able to overcome it, and the kids were able to buy in quickly. And once they realized that I was about the kids and what's best for the kids, that that has been changed. And now there's no more transition. I, I feel like it's fully our program now, not mine, ours, with Coach Bellis as my right-hand man. And us doing this all together, you know, I, it's, it's a new program now. But we're, we're adding to that tradition and that legacy now. So it's cool to be around that. It's cool to um, it's cool to build on the tradition that is Cactus and to uh, be a part of that is something special that I'll never forget. What about the opening that appealed to you? Because you 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 were in a great place, surrounded by great people in the East Valley under Coach Zuby out there at Higley. Uh, what about Cactus appealed to you? Um, I grew up in the West Valley. I grew up not too far from Cactus. I actually should have went to Moon Valley High School, but I ended up going to St. Mary's um, just based on tradition and my family and stuff. But, you know, I grew up out there. So to me, that's going home. And I wasn't just going to put in for any job. It had to be a school that I felt that could be, that could do something and be something special. That was the first and only head job I ever put in for as to be a head coach. And I was blessed and lucky enough to get it. So just growing up in the West Valley, knowing Cactus was a power when I was growing up, when I was playing, to be a part of that is something that I, I was, it was too good to pass up on. I mean, okay, or you could just be honest and say it's the, like, six school colors and logo. Come on, man. <laughs> I mean, I mean that, that helped, too. That helped, too. You know, it, it took a lot to get me away from the East Valley because I know, you know, we all know how the East Valley is, but the West Valley plays some good football, too. Now, I've, I've had an opportunity to be there um, for quite a few of your games over the last couple of years. Unfortunately... I've had the opportunity to watch your kids walk off the field two years in a row, having their season ended by one-point loss at the hands of uh, Mesquite and arguably some outside assistance, especially in that, in, in, that, in that first year. There were some controversial calls um, that were made. But, I mean, you've you gotten to the point where two years in a row you're getting some of these kids up to the mountaintop. How do you keep them motivated when when they've come so close to the ultimate success well our kids are mad <laughs> you know when you get that taken away from you and you get to that experience and you get to that exposure of playing in a state championship game it just fuels you and makes them more hungry to get back to that moment and back to that 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 you know just being a part of that land <laughs> you know that's the land we want to get to every year is that playing in December. I've, I've been saying it since I've gotten to Cactus. The goal is to play in December. We did it last year. We didn't fully get it done. But at the same time, our kids want to go back. They want to get that ring. They want to hoist up that gold ball. And we don't have to give them motivation. These kids are self-motivated on their own. We don't have to get in them on, on their tails. Not motivated. They are self-hungry. They are self-aware of everything that's going on and what we need to do to be successful and get back to that top. Now, offensively, 
I don't I don't really know the best way to put this. I think having been around high school football, I think you'll understand when I say this. Will Galvin, your quarterback, is a football player. Like he is a, 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 he there would be a role for him at any school in the country. Like that that he's just he, he's he's a gamer, he's a grinder, he's very young. Um, and, and you, it, he was in some moments that probably should have been too big for him and he was able to gut it out and it really feels like he's coming into his own. Tell me about him and a little bit more about the offense. You know, he's got a grasp of it now. Like we put him in by necessity, you know, best athlete, had a good arm, you know, heck of a football player. But then after we, you know, after that, he kind of took it under his wing to become a quarterback more and to learn the reads and to learn what it takes to be quarterback and know what it takes to lead and not just be the best player on the field. You know, he he has he has grown so much and has matured so much on top of getting stronger and faster and quicker feet, you know, and throwing the ball a lot more. We're, we are, I think we are um, 62, four, we're almost, we're 50-50 run pass after we're 52-48 run pass this year, which we were net, we were 75-25 last year. So we're able to throw the ball and it gives a more dynamic, um, look for other teams that have to, uh, game plan against us. But at the same time too, Will can take off at any time and make you look silly. So he's just, he's just amazing. You know, he's, he's, he's a division one athlete in my book and he's, you know, he's one of the top players in all of the state. Now you're you had a running back kind of have a coming out party in last year's playoffs. Tell me about him. Uh, Damian Giles, he's he's an absolute stud. You know he's he's a hard worker. He's strong. He's fast. He's got great vision. Um, he'll he'll juke you when he needs to. He'll truck you when he needs to. You know he, he he's just an all around back catch out of the backfield. He block, he's probably the best blocking running back I've ever coached. He will come up and hit you. He will pancake you. Um, it's even in his highlights. It's unreal what this kid could do. Um, I'm just looking forward to how he's only a junior as well. So I'm really looking forward to having him and Will as that one-two punch for the next, I mean, for three years straight. So it's very, very blessing to have those guys on offense. It makes my job a lot easier. And now the, the, the part of your team that I'm always getting harassed about by Cody Cameron and Chili and everybody, you know, you got Justin Holmes and Ata Teatupe and just a very physical defense that is coached by maybe the best defensive coordinator in all of in all of Arizona. And I, I mean I say that knowing that Andrew Taylor exists and knowing that so many schools out uh, in the East Valley have put together these championship defenses. But what I've seen out of Coach Bellis the last couple of years, um, I, I don't know. I'm just always incredibly blown away and impressed. Everybody's always so sound defensively. I remember I went out to that Thursday night game um, between you guys and, and Desert Edge last year as you prepare to play Desert Edge again. And, and you know, knowing that you were struggling on offense, the defense is really what kept you in that game, kept a Washington State commit at, at quarterback from ever feeling comfortable, kept a Montana State wide receiver commit from ever really being able to get behind the defense. And, and I mean, that as ugly as that game was, and it was ugly, that was one of the more impressive coaching performances uh, that I've seen. Tell me a little bit about your defense and your relationship with Coach Bellis. I mean, Bellis was the guy that was the first phone call I made when I got the job, asking him to come back after that stint at Hamilton for a little bit. 
come back home to Cactus and help me. You know, it was, he was right there with me the whole way dealing with, hey, can I do this? Can I, you know, is this okay to do at Cactus? Is this okay with the tradition? Should I do this? You know, and, and help, you know, pretty much guide me in, in being the head coach that I am never wants to be a head coach he loves he loves just doing defense but he does so much for this program behind the scenes that I am forever grateful for and he just does a great job you know with the defensive staff with coach Ledesma coach Riding, coach Allen I put this defensive staff against anyone in the state they are like you said Bills is one of the best DCs in the state and I, I, I don't even think that's a question um he just gets them prepared, but at the same time, you got to have the Joes, and we have the Joes with Atta and Aki and P and Holmes and Virgo and Mason Cullup and JoJo and Polo and Andy Morales, and Will Galvin starts at corner as well. So we return everyone on defense, and, you know, we got Joe Bacamiel-Alu um, eligible for transfer who's going to play some DN. Dom Solano's been solid for us at DN. We just got dogs that are super physical, super coachable, fast-flying, technically sound which makes our job as coaches a lot easier but now you can scheme up how we want to scheme up and you, and you know the kids are going to get it done for you on friday nights yeah i i just the one thing that i can always get used to when when i'm watching cactus play is uh you see Cullop and Holmes and Akipulu and Atate Tupe all laying on the ball carrier anytime they try to take it between the tackles um uh, so I before before I let you go, there were two questions that I've been asking every coach that I get on the show. And I wanted to make sure that I had the opportunity to ask you as well, because one of those questions in particular, I think it could probably uh, affect you guys this year. And that is, we have seen the AIA set up a system of almost promotion and relegation, where they keep moving these teams that have all this success up and up and up. You got Saguaro in the 5A, you got Williamsfield in the 6A. You know, everybody's just kind of getting pushed up. And if we're going to do that, if we're going to push all these really good teams up into the highest division, one, is there a need for the open division playoff? And two, what is the future of the open division playoff in your mind? Um, I think the open division is going to dissipate, too, because, like you said, it did this to open to get the Saguaro's and the South Points of the world up to play in those competitions well they're up now you know our enrollment is under 1200 kids we're sitting at 11 something and we like people are bringing us for the open but we're going against teams with three four thousand more students than us like it's just not where we're at as a program yet yes we're very good but i don't think you know depth wise we're not there we don't have the numbers we don't have the depth we lose the guy and and we're, we are scrambling really bad and that, that's not the case with the bigger schools because they have uh, um, I think once the AA kind of realizes that it's the same teams in the open that happen to be in the same exact conference, I think that, that it will go away. I, I just, that's how I feel. Um, that's my opinion. I don't know when it's going to happen, but um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, that's just how I feel about it. No, I, I understand that as well. I just, I, I, I think it's fascinating because it feels like, they, they, they found two ways to solve a problem, but didn't make it exclusive. And now those two things are kind of bleeding into each other. And it, it's it's fascinating to, to, to watch. And, and, and because 4A is included in this, it has the ability to to, to, to affect you guys. And, and you very possibly could see yourself going up in the playoffs against a 4,100-person school 
in Hamilton, right. it's completely outside your control, and you don't want to tell your kids not to strive for that because right. y- you want to do the best thing um, that that you could possibly do. But I, I I do wonder sometimes if it if if the possibility for some schools that it punishes success, maybe in the way that it happened to uh, to Desert Edge and, and Corona last year. Um, but we'll see. Um, and and my my uh, I guess my second to last question. Because I'm gonna tack one more on after this is. Um, what's the best way to phrase this? Jason Skoda did an interview with Jeremy Hathcock, uh, talking about him going home, taking the job at Blue Ridge. And one of the things that Jeremy Hathcock brought up is that he felt himself kind of paying lip service to this thing that all coaches say that they believe in, which is the, the that you, you need to be a multiple sport athlete. You don't want to over-specialize in just football. But one of the things the AIA did to, to combat all of these private coaches and seven-on-seven leagues is they gave coaches 24-7, 365 access to the kids. So when you give a football coach 24-7, 365 access to the kids, it kind of creates an opportunity to send a conflicting message about playing other sports other than football. He said he felt that tension and he's happy to go to a smaller school, smaller town where he, where he can encourage people to play um, more than one sport. I was just kind of wondering where your head was at. If you feel that conflict or you're all about, you know, make sure they get as much experience as possible outside football. No, I, I want the, I, the more sports you play, the better go, go get it, go get better with different skill sets and different, you know, just different type of sports. We preach that hard at Cactus. You know, a lot of our kids play basketball and baseball and wrestling and track. I want them to go do that. I, I, I played two sports in high school. I'm never going to tell a kid you need to just focus on football. I don't think that's fair to a smaller school like Cactus or any other school. Even if I was to be at a 6A or 5A school, go play your sports. Go have fun. We'll get our training in for football when we when we have it, when we, when we can get it done. Um, but go enjoy your high school career because you only get one. So just go enjoy it. Go have fun. Play as many sports as you can and help out your school. You know, go help out your school. Be successful. All right, and I know I told you that'd be the last question, but you do have Desert Edge coming up, and I, I kind of want to just know how, how do you, how do you prepare? You know, obviously you're a different team than you were in the middle of the season um, with, with the last time that you had to face off against them, um, but so were they, so were they, and they're they're a very talented five A school. You're in the four A. Um, you got film on them. They got film on you. What are you expecting heading into Friday? Uh, dog fight, you know, I, 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 let's, but it's a West, like it's a West Valley rivalry. You know, I, I think that there's not, there's no love lost between the schools, uh, and the football team and the football players, you know, um, we're excited for the challenge, you know, 5A is, is there, we're, they're a division higher, we're 4A, but we don't really look at that. We really don't care. We're, we're, we play, we play cactus versus cactus. And where we're playing, as long as we do our jobs and don't mess up, we're going to be in the best situation to win games. Um, and like you said, we don't all our, our whole receiving core did not play last year against these guys because they were out. So now that they're eligible, they're playing. They're going to see a completely different offense, a different O line, and that same defense that held them to ten points. So it's going to be a fun battle. I'm looking forward to the challenge and whatever may, what happened, whatever happens on Friday is going to happen. I'm just looking forward to giving these kids a great experience with all the exposure because these kids deserve it. All right, coach. Well, I I really appreciate your time. Uh, I'd, I'd love to see what you've done 
with Cactus over the last few years, and I'm really excited to see where it goes from here because I, I know that, you know, that, that school had a, had a fingerprints all over it. Um, and, and it's, it's going to take some special seasons to get to the point where, you know, your, your name is equally synonymous with, with, with cactus football, but I can see it. I can see it in your staff. I know you're going to have your own coaching tree soon. And, uh, and I see nothing but good for you from, from here on out. So I really appreciate you giving me your time and everything you've done for those kids. Thank you for the kind words. It really means a lot. I definitely take all those words to heart. So I appreciate it.